welcome to another evening. I'm Danny. I am on Instagram as Blotted Ink Books, and this is Novel Evening, the podcast where I chat with fellow book lovers all about their perfect fantasy fictional nights. And I'm super excited because for this week's episode, I'm joined by the absolutely lovely Susanna Wise. Um, I was very lucky enough to be on the blog tour for her novel, This Fragile Earth. I loved it. I love a slice of dystopia. I love the idea of technology influencing our lives. Um, I loved the world that she created within those pages. And her new novel, OK Then That's Great, is already getting so much attention. It sounds very, very different to her debut novel. Um, I'm really excited to ask her all about it, dive into a bit of her inspiration on the two novels, and of course check out her novel evening. A big hello to Susanna. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. I'm melting slowly like a <laughs> piece of chocolate. But I said earlier on my, my early recording, I said, well, by the time this comes out, we'll kind of be heading to the throes of, of autumn and we'll have forgotten all of this. And we'll keep going, we never get a summer. It's always so cold. <laughs> exactly. And when we're paying £7,000 a day for our energy bills, we'll be very grateful to have had this time where we haven't been switching the boiler on. Oh, my God, literally, literally. And that's uh, the saying. I've had a few um, American guests come on as well. And I was saying, like, we only do mediocre weather. We we can't handle anything that's, like, really cold. Like, extremes, we can't do. The country just goes to pot. It's so true. It. We can't cope. It's like, when we had, like, 40 degrees, I, it was literally like the apocalypse had arrived in Britain. I know. And the papers were all going mad. Like, we'd never been on holiday. I mean, if people go abroad, you're in that kind of heat all the time. It's as though people had forgotten how to stay inside. Don't go out. Make, it's like, guys... <laughs> We two days this. it's okay yeah, yeah we will survive we'll be all yeah. right yeah I'm I love all like I'm an August baby so like there's something about the summer but to be honest like autumn's where it's at I feel like I'm just waiting for autumn to come a little, little bit cooler I agree that's my favorite season too that'll do me so yeah. you're here obviously to chat all about books mm-hmm. um firstly this fragile earth I loved it oh thanks I really loved it oh thanks there's something about dystopia for me I feel like it's it's almost like a horror genre that touches home. I would completely agree with you, yeah. You can read it and it's terrifying because it, even when it's something outrageous like zombies, or there's still an element of realism. But with yours, it felt so feasible. That's exactly what I wanted to do yeah. because I was basically putting a version of myself into a situation which I wanted to feel it to, to, for myself when I was writing it to be as real as possible. Yeah. It's the reliance on technology. I mean, technology is such a part of our being now. I mean, I, you know, if I don't have my phone for two minutes, I don't know how to function. And the idea of your world being completely run by gadgets and technologies and drones, and that suddenly not being viable mm. is so shocking. Where did this idea come from for you? Um, well, uh, it came out of a my dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer um uh in 2015 and i had never written i'd certainly i mean i've always written things like poems but i'd never written long form before and the night that we heard that he was like it was like the oncologist was like there's nothing more we can do i came home and had a sort of catastrophic fantasy in bed at night i mean awake waking one um of like what was the worst thing that could possibly happen to me obviously something really bad was happening, which was my dad was about to die. But I but I was sort of transferring it into like projecting it elsewhere, which was my son, who was 
25 at the time, I think. Um, and I was thinking, who's now nearly 13, uh, I was thinking, um, well, what happens if my, you know, uh, so all the gas and electricity get cut off, and then the water, and then what happens if something, I won't give the plot away, but something bad happens and we have to flee London. And what if then, when we get to, because I park grew up in the Midlands, um, in this tiny, tiny hamlet, uh, what if we could, go back to a version of there and then it's even worse than we thought and there's something even worse there than we could have possibly imagined um so that was the lovely thoughts I was having you spiraled there didn't you <laughs> yeah I did I spent about it was probably about an hour and a half and by the end of it I'd come up with pretty much the whole plot of the novel and I started I was doing a play I was working really hard at the Young Vic in London I was doing eight shows a week but I it was like itching to come out and so I started writing and I thought oh I'll just I'm a very impatient person, so I thought, oh, well, I'll just write, you know, 10,000 words and then I'm sure I'll lose interest. Because as a kid, I was always starting books and, you know, 15 pages in, they'd grind to a halt. Um, so, but I found that I couldn't stop writing. I couldn't stop writing. So I think I, that's I really beautiful that something, something came out, something so sad and so difficult and traumatic, and you you know, you made something incredible out of it. I think it's wonderful. Thank you, thanks. I mean, it does feel a bit like that because it felt like a, I mean, without being too kind of um, neat and tidy and slightly saccharine about it, it did feel a bit like it was a gift from my dad. I mean, it wasn't, but that's what it feels like. <laughs> Retrospectively, it was like a gift from my dad. You know, um, you know how often when people are born, I had this really weird experience when my son was born because my uncle died about 10 minutes before my son was born and um I, I only I didn't know that but I only found out when my mum came in and like two hours later and said oh you know oh gosh I just but what I mean is it's often isn't it that yeah. that when my dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer my sister-in-law my brother's wife was pregnant with their first child you know so it's like there's this cycle that... this was like a, re a rebirth isn't there exactly exactly death is so connected exactly exactly and I feel like um there are some aspects of that uh philosophy in the novel as well yeah. that they sort of went into the book a bit yeah. yeah it's a really interesting premise um and for me I think the most scary part is the idea of kind of the detachment between humans there's kind of, a, especially with policing and things like that, such a doctors, all the kind of things that we, we see as, you know, intrinsically human roles are suddenly null and void. Yes, exactly. Because it's every man or woman or whatever for themselves. Yeah. And uh, and so it, it is very isolating. I mean, and in a way not because it's very unite, uniting. But, yeah. but when you're in the middle of it I think and the maelstrom it's like you know everyone becomes very desperate people become very selfish and very um yeah, yeah. I mean we saw it we saw it with lockdown didn't we yes. were buying and yes exactly hysteria grows exactly so exactly exactly definitely, I definitely felt it in your book it feels um intense for sure and there were some <laughs> twists I definitely didn't see either um which I love I love not knowing what's coming so I can't we, ask you what they are because then you'll no, give away. No, I don't want to give anything away. So if anyone here listening loves dystopia, you love being shocked, you love a bit of weirdness going on as well. Um, it it very much gave me like twenty eight days later with robots. Yeah, that's I think you pretty much summed it up there. Yeah, yeah, that's the vibe I got. It was really intense. Yeah, your second novel hmm. seems very different. It's completely, completely yeah. You've different. got a very different avenue. It's completely so different. Yeah, like I, I was like, 
okay, like sharp left turn, but I'm here for it. So your newest novel, Okay, Then That's Great. Tell us about it. Okay, so Okay, Then That's Great is a, I would say a contemporary fiction. Um, it's funny. Uh, it has a lot of um, women relevant themes, I would say, yes. although my partner, who's definitely not a woman last time I looked, um, uh, weirdly and doesn't read, but really enjoyed it and said he was so shocked that, <laughs> that he had enjoyed it. <laughs> he was like, before he read it, he went, is this really isn't my, he, I mean, literally read it, read it like three weeks ago. He went, oh, this really isn't my kind of books. And I don't, I don't think I'm, and he was sort of slightly dreading it, I think, because you no know, one wants to give their partner bad you know what I mean like you don't want to be the ones about, exactly bad review okay? yeah but but he was like oh I really enjoyed it really made me laugh and he's told his brother who's very sort of you know quite traditional to to read it so I was quite pleased about that that's like but, um, and Caesar right yeah yes. yeah exactly exactly <laughs> you get all but, these blurbs on your book and you're like that's the one I needed yeah exactly. <laughs> my partner says his brother should read it um but it is um about Marnie who's uh 49 nearly 50 she has um three teenage kids a set of identical twin girls and a boy um she's a poet with writer's block and when just before she turned 18 her own identical twin sister perdita was killed in a hit and run accident and she hasn't really dealt with the grief and she starts seeing her sister this is the beginning of the book by the way so i'm not giving anything away <laughs> she starts seeing her dead sister she's been seeing her dead sister on the street for about three or four months when the book starts mm. and she can't work out whether it's a, a ghost or is it a parallel world or is she just losing her marbles and you know a menopausal mess basically so she starts seeing an analyst to try and unravel this kind of mental mystery and the analyst himself who's in his 80s uh has had a silent stroke and is losing his own memory so um there's no um what's the word sort of stake for her to drive her sense of her self and what's real into so her life starts to unravel um pretty quickly uh, with um shall we say hilarious consequences no, oh, it's like, it no, no it's quite hilarious you no know, it, it is funny but it's also um I, I think it's quite moving book like it deals with grief and loss and um uh issues of psychoanalysis and the subconscious and gender identity it's got lots of themes in it lots of themes I do think there's something very British about dark humour, especially dark humour that surrounds grief or loss. It's kind of our go-to, isn't it? To yeah. kind of produce humour in those really sad moments. It's, it's kind of what we seem as a nation, we seem to do when something major happens, we turn to humour, maybe not appropriate humour, but I know like dark comedy is something that is is a very British thing. I think for, for a lot of people around the world, it's, you know, they enjoy it, but I'm not sure they get it on the same level that's exactly that's exactly my thing it's dark humor and i do and even and marnie is the character of marnie is written in the first person so you're inside her head a lot and um she gets very frustrated with her own um sort of knee-jerk reaction of making jokes when things are very serious um so she's sort of you know cross with herself a lot um I can relate to her yeah to I'm, I'm awful for doing it if there's an awkward situation <laughs> I have to make a joke and I'm like, mm, I probably should just kept quiet. It probably would have been better. Well, and exactly. there's something, you seem to be drawn to emotion. It's obviously in this fragile earth, it's a very strange setting and plot. But the underlying emotions, you know, motherhood and loss and grief. And, and again, with this, you've got motherhood and, and yeah. grief. 
what do you think is that calls to you from those themes um well i suppose they're just really present if you're human being and um i mean one's sense of oneself so um a mother is a very strong identifier isn't it and i don't mean anyone who isn't a mother doesn't have a strong identity. i just mean it's a symbol isn't it of of something and uh and so um it's very present because my son is only he's 12 nearly 13 now um uh and then also my relationship with my mother which is um has been until quite recently quite fractious um we had a bit of a conscious uncoupling <laughs> at the beginning of this year which has made things massively massively better mm-hmm. um so that's you know the idea of generations of mothers and i'm gonna say daughters but actually could be sons like it doesn't really make a difference but or fathers and daughters and sons that really interests me um generations of things going down and cycles of stuff and then grief i mean now we we can all relate to it can't we i I, you know i i've lost um quite a few uh friends of mine who were far too young to die and i feel like it's um it sits very Mm. high at the top of my subconscious brain as well as being my conscious brain it floats around i mean the thing is danny i when i write a book and i know lots of authors will will relate to this and i'm sure you'll relate to it um when i write a book I don't really know what I'm writing about I mean I know I what I mean is I know obviously a plot but I don't really know subconsciously why I'm writing that book what the drive is and it's only long after I finished it that I start to see oh it's because it must be this reason or it's that reason or you look at the book and, it, and the you themes see the become, themes that are going yeah, through it yeah. yeah and they become clear um and uh and I think with this novel I also was really um I was diagnosed with uh, well, I had this sort of weird illness in 2019 where my I basically my whole body just stopped working and no one really knew what was wrong with me. <laughs> um, and it was a very, very frightening time. But it turns out I have something called, or at least the label of it is atypical lupus, which is an autoimmune right. condition, systemic autoimmune condition. So lots of different things go wrong, basically. Um, and you can never, it's really fun because you never know what's going <laughs> to um those are the best thoughts when you just yeah, never know what's gonna happen yeah or... who knows each day is a different day yeah. um so but i i think um the idea of mortality is very like sits very yeah. on the edges of my skin and then also um uh being uh perimenopausal because i'm i am 49 nearly 50, I'm gonna be 50 in january um and my the endocrine system is really connected to the auto, auto autoimmune system right. so so um as the hormones change, often women or men will find that they weird autoimmune type things will pop up. And uh, and so um, I was interested in investigating, although weirdly I started, see, this is a weird thing. I started writing the book before, a year before. In fact, I wrote a whole draft of the book a year before any of this had happened. Wow. This is what the weird thing, my girlfriend's a playwright and she said to me, um, she has this theory that you, you write what becomes real in your life. So she was like, Susanna, you mustn't write any, <laughs> like, don't write a surfing accident. Don't write, you know, like, don't Why are you write... writing dystopia? Yeah. Stop it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she was like, next one, next book, make it a romantic comedy. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's so intriguing. Yeah. I think, you know, yeah. you're kind of manifesting in Exactly something. manifesting. And um, 
Yeah, I, I, and if you believe in, um, you know, many worlds interpretation, which I, I talk about quite a lot in the book, in, in OK, then that's great, um, then uh, you are actually manifesting, you know, then you start to live in the universe in which you're creating uh, without sounding too woo-woo about it. Um, so <laughs> I, I love that idea. I love the idea that we can control our our realities. We have some extent. control, because yes. I think we, we have far little control than yes. we, we like to think. Yes. So in terms of your next novel, yes, are you working on anything? Can yes. You anything so, well, Danny, I have written another novel. Um, I better not tell you the working title because I had dinner with my agent last night and she said, I think we better change it. And I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> um, um, so uh, it's going to hopefully go out on submission because it's out of contract. So I had a two book deal and yeah. this will be my third novel. So my present publisher will get first look and then it can neither be with them or it can go elsewhere um, <laughs> exactly uh, it's set in a small village in Cumbria and um, it's about an outsider coming in uh, a, sort of against their will really um, but they're sort of forced through a situation to have to come and live in this small village and they um, the villagers are uh, sort of rather old semi-aristo <laughs> um sort of christian but with uh, they were white with with a with a kind of uh leaning towards um another type of ancient history type thing but they're they're anyway they're they're farmers they're pig farmers and there's some weird stuff going on in the village basically and this mm -hmm. person who comes in ends up getting caught up in it and it's a sort of like it's a bit like hammer studios you're probably a bit young to know but like a 1970s hammer studios type feel mixed okay, like with children of the corn yes yes or like... village of the damned or exactly it's, it's like, like a hint that. of hot fuzz when you mentioned like yeah. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely no hot. It's not funny. I'll say that now. Not, I get you know anything for me that even like sniffs at like a cult style. Yeah. Something going on. I'm there for it. Yeah. Um, anything that makes you shiver a bit. Yes. You know, a bit, exactly. a bit creepy. Old creepy villages. Exactly. It's old creepy villages, and everything's a bit shonky. Like even the evilness is a bit shonky like because they're old and they're a bit crap at what they you know what i mean so you've taken a total yeah. swing again yeah it's something completely different which i think yeah. is so, exciting thank you something completely different and then i i know what i'm going to write for my fourth novel and that is also completely different so um yeah I, I i guess i like writers who write lots of different things um I, I had yesterday something very exciting happened to me yesterday, and I don't know whether you've read any of her novels, but um, and actually you're the first person I've told this, no one else knows. Um, uh, I had an endorsement for Okay, Then That's Great from Rose Tremaine. Do you know? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, which is really wow. exciting. So so that will go on to the paperback. But but like like Rose Tremaine, I love her writing. I love the that she writes something, like every time it's different. Um, and that's what I want to be, sort of, you know, many many different colours on the canvas, oh, I suppose. It's very ambitious. And I, think <laughs> it's, I think it's excellent. I tend to write very, I love fantasy. It's kind of my safety net. Um, I like to be able to just make things up and not be tied to historical dates or actual places. But also, yeah, I think there's something really refreshing about being able to just write whatever you fancy. Yeah, that's it. Because, you know, because you, you're right, that you've got to spend two upwards of two years with these 
characters slash story slash whatever setting, whatever it is. And so it's got to be something that interests you, a subject matter that interests you, or like you say, if it's a place where you want to feel safe and I understand that I can relate to that. Um, uh, for me, I'd always rather choose the unknown than choose the known, um, which is oh. great for a long-term relationship. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, you know, I got married at 19 and I'm still married yeah. to clean chat, so that it's shows for you. That's great. <laughs> well, there you go. Oh, and you are. see, you write in your genre and there, yeah. Yeah, there yeah. you go. So with your, you know, your uh, Like of the Unknown, mm. I'm wondering if this will translate into your novel evening. If we're going to go outside the box. Well, it's funny because when you sent me the email saying this is what will, um, I, I, I thought, oh, that's going to be really, I'm going to find that difficult for exactly that reason. Um, but I do know where we'll go, where we're going. Okay. Do you want me to where tell you? Gonna, yes, where are we going to go? Well, okay, so it's a bit mad because it's just that I've had this <laughs> completely um, insane business idea for which will never happen by the way but it's just it's just a dream of mine which is opening a big um central hub when i say central i don't know where that means but um but it would be central um uh called the happiness clinic Okay. And and um, because I'm like when people talk about oh, it's not happiness it's contentment and i'm like no let's go for the happy let's you know, make a happiness clinic. So it's it's uh, it's a women only. Um, sorry, guys, it's a women only um, space. Not not because men don't deserve to be happy or can't make people happy, but just because um, you'll see why in a minute. Okay. Um, uh, it's going to have a dance studio, right? Like a massive dance studio where. Um, it's going to have all different types of dance. I really love doing African dance and contemporary dance. So, um, cool. yeah, it would have like a regular, like all day running different dance classes. So I don't know. I'm sure. Do you like dancing, Danny? I used to dance when I was younger, actually. I used to do freestyle. Oh. <laughs> and freestyle a long time ago. There um, you go. Back when I was flexible. Uh, <laughs> but I'd give it, I could give it a go. Right. It's okay. as well. Once upon a time, I yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, so I'll, I'll whip out a bit of that. <laughs> yeah. So so people can do that if they want to. There's going to be like a little screening room. There'd be an ASMR clinic. Do you know what that is? Is that or, the sounds where it's like people yes. singing and stuff? Yes. Or tapping various, and I hair brushing. Very into that. I I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> it's so funny because I played it to some friends of mine recently. They because I'm I love ASMR. And they were like, what is it? And I, I said, it's, I think it's called, it's autonomous um, sensory motor response, I think is what it stands oh. for. And it's when you watch somebody else doing something and you get a fe tingling feeling in your body or you, or you find it I mean, relaxing. I definitely or get a tingling feeling. I just don't, yeah. know if, I don't know if I want it or not. <laughs> um, so it would be, and of course, everyone has different triggers. So for some people, it's like watching people have their hair brushed or watching other people get massaged or like, I love watching... <laughs> Like my in-laws were like, we think you're a bit mad. Um, like we have what watching people wrapping presents with like crinkly tissue paper. Oh, I can see how they actually got the you've got the sellotape so nice. and you've got yes. like yeah. So my friend what, watches what? Asian food. She's oh, got really, really? Like, they use a lot of hot fat and oil. Yeah. So a lot of like flicking stuff in hot oil and right. Oh wow. Rice. And I sat with her. We had had a few drinks, admittedly. Um, but she's like, oh, watch this. And I was kind of yeah. just staring at like. I don't know if I like it. I don't dislike it. I 
I don't know if I want it in my brain, but I would give it, it it's something I'm not, I'm on the fence with ASMR. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, some people said to me that they'd find it so irritating. But anyway, that would be in my happiness clinic. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> also be, I might dip in, I might pop yeah, in now. There'd be, uh, I think there'd be a, um, an on-call female doctor who specialise also in like gyne gynecology and women's you yeah. know issues I think that would be good they're always much um, happier when those are taken care of yes and then there'd be nice things like you could have a massage or you could have um or there could be therapy rooms or I don't know maybe you'd have a weekly um workshop which would be something different every time um so that that's that would be <laughs> That's well, my I mean, terrible. I told my mum, and there was this long silence, and she went, <laughs> she went, that would cost a lot of money. I said, I know, I'm not going to do it. I'm just. <laughs> Mums are just just the best <laughs> at taking your wildest fantasies and putting a big old dose of realism yeah. right on top, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, it would cost so, a lot of money. She's not wrong. She, um, exactly, <laughs> and maybe, and also, yeah, chefing that would be great. You could have like amazing chefs come and do international cookery all the time which would be fabulous food is my jam you yeah. have me an international chef then yeah yeah <laughs> that's so what week, I'm doing. yeah you'd have a different menu wow. so um uh that would be my that's the venue okay okay it's not one we've had before um <laughs> surprisingly enough yeah okay so i let's start from the dance workshop then yeah who's gonna be the first person who turns up in our dance club well apart from you and me um, hope it's not just you and me um it's gonna be well obviously i would like maybe um a couple of my teachers obviously to be there taking the class so uh one of my, uh, all my teachers are obviously professional dancers so yeah. um let's choose uh the african contemporary dancer francis angle who is amazing at dance and i highly recommend everybody check him out or go to one of his classes if you can if you're in london um or manchester sometimes i think he teaches uh anyway so he'd be teaching it'd be me you i was <laughs> i feel like african dance isn't naturally where i'm gonna find my talent it's african contemporary dance it's a fusion slightly okay. different okay i think i think you might go for it now okay. the only thing is obviously france is a man and it's supposed to be women only space because actually one of my couple of my guests would be men so now I've broken my own um, <laughs> one night up. only it's a one-off yeah. you can see I don't think things through thing. can't you Danny this is how I write my books this I start off like these totally are the yeah these are the Your rules and now I've screwed them <laughs> um so I would like I, I think JD Salinger would have to come and do um the dance class mm -hmm. with us um because he he's so weirdly was so weirdly elusive um and had uh sort of by all accounts um obsessive compulsive disorder he was bulimic i mean it's such a weird thing for a yeah. man who wrote um catcher in the rye to, you know yeah. it's, it just like doesn't seem to fit together yeah not at all not at all you... <laughs> oh 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 it's weird. the internet yeah my issue just had a moment now oh, there we go if I put you there, just yeah. balancing you on my on my bed. Okay. It's too hot to your mat. There we go. Now I've got you back. That was very okay. odd. Apologies. Did, did, did you miss? Out. I'm quite good at that now. Did you hear what I said? Or should I, I did repeat not. it? Repeat, okay. repeat that bit. <laughs> I, I said JD Salinger should come because he's such a weird anomaly because he wrote obviously Catcher in the Rye, but he was by all accounts, um, a, well, he was a recluse. Yeah. He's obsessive. He had obsessive compulsive disorder, really bad. And he was bulimic. 
I mean, I just find all these things completely fast. And he was really grumpy. It would be very, so, yeah, what, what a setting to... Um... And he wrote Franny and Zoo. I mean, he wrote all these amazing books. Um, and, It'd be intriguing uh, just to talk to him and, and find out what he was really like as well to engage yes. with. Exactly. Well, while we have our international cooking cookery done for us, while we get ready for our Vietnamese feast, um, we could sit down and shoot the shit or whatever he used to call it. What does he call it in Catcher in the Rye? Shoot the shoot something like horse, horse. Yeah, it's something. I can't remember. There's an expression he uses. But we'll shoot. Um, we'll shoot something. <laughs> hopefully not JD Salinger. Um, <laughs> so I just find it really fascinating, and I'd love to get him into a dance. Uh, studio just to see what would happen and whether or not he'd feel really good at the end of it that would be interesting okay yeah okay so Uh, so he'd be he'd be one of them and then and then there'd be more grumpy people coming I suppose that's why I was was thinking of the happiness clinic I would I think maybe we'd have to have Heathcliff and Kathy coming um oh Oh, Danny's Danny's like uh end of recording yeah I'm not I'm not a fan of either of them really but it's not my evening I'll tolerate them it's not that I'm they're my favorite people because if I was gonna have my favorite people have all my mates but um but but I find it fascinating like if you're gonna have an opportunity to spend an evening with some like I'm really interested in people who are extremely difficult and famously quite irritating so (laughs) so because I want to know what like do they care that nobody you know that they're like that like does Heathcliff would he is he self-aware at all like how would he be walking around the happiness clinic throwing things and you know <laughs> um, it would be interesting to see the effect that the happiness clinic had on them exactly if and, any <laughs> if any and is Kathy like mad or and can she be can her would she be an amazing dancer for example i suspect she might be oh um, i feel like probably she kind of gives us those vibes doesn't yeah, she yeah i imagine she'd probably smell quite strong <laughs> like probably doesn't use deodorant um but like i can imagine <laughs> it <laughs> her being quite wild in her dancing and I, w- I would find that quite interesting i quite like having sort of renegades in in what would probably be quite um, a serene and controlled, you know, space. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Right. I can. I'm seeing. I'm seeing method to your madness. Yeah. I think. Okay. So we've got those three. How many do I have to have? You can have as many or as few as you like. Who else would I have? I'm trying to think. I mean, Prince. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have prints. I mean, print. Do you know what? I remember being like, God, I must have been like 11 or 12. And my friends stayed over and we stayed up to watch VH1's Sexiest Men Alive. Yeah. My parents were in bed and we'd snap down to watch it. And we were like, yeah. watch out, guys. And prints came on. And I wasn't, yeah. this wasn't really on my radar. My parents didn't listen to music. And there was something so outrageously like magnetic about mm. prints. Mm. I just think my it... friend, we were just sat there like, yeah. What was he singing? What was he doing? Was it an interview or? No, I think they just showed clips of like oh, some right, okay. music videos and him on stage. And I think they might have had like snippets of his interviews. But we both were like, men can look. I mean, obviously, imagine us growing up in like rural Bridport. Yeah, yeah. Not many. There wasn't many of those <laughs> yeah. types walking yeah. around. But like, we were both like, men can be that kind of androgynous and yes, you know, yes, exactly. Back in the day, almost effeminate and sexy. Yes, and yes. It was like my mind was blown. It's exactly that. So I, I was, so I'm older than you. So Prince was, Prince was older than me, but 
but I was the right, you know, I really was like my mind, I couldn't believe it. Um, but also he's a musical genius. I just think he, I mean, whether or not you like his music, his music is genius, like it's from made by a genius. Um, and I think you can appreciate, one can appreciate, you know, there are, there are genres of music that I don't like, but I can still appreciate when something's really yeah. good. Um, and, uh, and so I would love to, a, he'd be a great dancer. He'd be great in the dance. Oh, team. imagine! I wouldn't. I wouldn't be dancing with Prince. It'd be mortifying. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. Head. But the thing about Prince is, he wouldn't care. That's the great thing about Prince. He wouldn't care. Also, he's really small, so he probably won't be able to see. One of no. the ladies who was at the book party. Her name is Reed with Sabs. Um, she's lovely. Yeah. She was chatting with Nikki May, but she met Prince when she was like pregnant and danced with him. What? Yeah, I didn't know the story. And she like casually said, and I was like, that's the story you need to start every single conversation you ever have with. Wow. My friend was in a Prince video when she was young. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. I think it was Purple Rain. Um, but yeah. I mean, so, and she was friends with him all his life. She said he was oh. a really nice guy. Really, oh, really nice. He would love the ASMR. I think he would love the. That's what I mean. So I think he's quite alternative. So I, I reckon he'd be pretty cool to have there. I feel like I need another woman. I'm trying to think who I should. Sorry, I should have done more preparation thinking about. I literally I thought J.D. Salinger, he's Cliff and Capri, and then I sort of stopped. But I think Prince. I think Prince is a good. I'm, call. I look, if I yeah. get the opportunity to flirt with Prince, I am happy. Yeah. That's yeah. fine with me. Yeah, it's, you've gone very male heavy, considering. I have. There's, I tell you what, something else that might be quite good to have, and I don't know what she's like at all, but um, and she's not alive anymore. Um, but when I read um, Catching the Rye, uh, I, at the same time, totally by chance, read a book by an American writer called Barbara Wersba, W-E-R-S-B-A, um, called Tunes for a Small Harmonica, which was like the female equivalent version of Catching the Rye. And it was about a sort of very overprivileged, uh, but severely neglected um, 16 year old girl growing up in New York who was a complete tomboy. Again, it's interesting, it's sort of gender neutral. Yeah. Um, and she taught herself to play the, she was in love with her English teacher, who was a man, and she taught herself to play the harmonica. It's a really brilliant brilliant book and um much under lauded i think so i'd no, love to no, have... i've never heard of that yeah i i mean if you've got anyone listening who's got um girls of between sort of 11 and 15 i mean i i recommend it it's a it's, i mean it's probably very dated now i don't know because i read it you know, like 1924 but um but it, but i i thought it was brilliant anyway um oh, so yeah, i'd like to have her have... there yeah and she could see talk her to and jd together and see how they vibe exactly do you know what i mean that would be great yeah. okay so the question is as well is there anyone that you really don't want to show up to your happiness center oh it's a tough one well i suppose am i allowed to be quite general yeah oh yeah 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 you i don't mean need to name a particular person yeah <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine as name an author, they'd be like, can you imagine? Oh, Just, Susan, um, you three doors down. Yeah, 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 exactly. like so um, no, no. My, I suppose, no, who would not be welcome at the Happiness Clinic is anyone who um, uh, judges other people for any, for any reason, like who can't accept, like, I, you know, I don't agree. Like, I'm consider myself um, left leaning, politically left on the left, but I don't have a problem with anyone who's rightly yeah. i don't agree with their opinions but i would never uh, ostracize them or tell them that they're wrong that's not how yeah. i operate my life so and it's the same for me with anything it's like um i don't know gender ideology 
yeah. you know, race question. Live and let um, live. Yes, exactly. I just let let people be who they are and do what they, I mean, within reason, do what they want and so not hurting other people. But, um, and so no, no bigots allowed, basically. <laughs> I think that is, I think that needs to be a big sign. Hang yeah. on the door yeah. of the Happiness Centre. NBA, no Just bigots allowed. Just to ruin allowed. your expensive, expensive doors that you've had installed. With your mum's <laughs> approval. Uh, you could nail a big old sign, no bigots allowed. Judgment so, is not welcome. Yeah. So, that, <laughs> so those would be the only people who aren't allowed. And I suppose in a way, if you were really, if you were being really, really um, rigorous about it, you could have a sort of um, algorithm that would go through people's social media and just check that they hadn't been judgy and bigoted. There's a lot. I find that social media is amazing, amazing, amazing thing. But it's also um, encourages so much armchair judgment and bigotry so much it's so easy to slip into even if you are the you know you just find yourself looking at tiny snapshots of someone's life or be it, you know celebrity a tiny bit of an interview or t- and you just make an assumption it's wild exactly maybe exactly. no social media in the happiness center yes. maybe that's gonna be the key you can't that's a great idea upload it. you'll be in the moment yes no photographs either you can't do no. any instagram posting of your amazing impressed. time <laughs> Even print. That's it. That's finished. Damn it. Yeah. No, I can't do that. I'm afraid. Yeah. But that was um, unlike any other novel evening I've had so far. <laughs> I can safely say. Um, <laughs> you haven't read it, my second novel. Once you do, <laughs> you'll understand the workings of my mind. <laughs> I shall be reading it. It is so high on my list. Um, I absolutely shall be. I I don't know if we're going to meet socially after I have. <laughs> I hope so. I'll reserve judgment. <laughs> um, perhaps not at the happiness centre. Um, this is yet to be, be funded or built, but go though someday. One day. And before I let you go and enjoy the rest of your rest of your night, are you reading anything at the moment? Yes, yeah, so I'm reading Nikki May's Wahala at the moment. Nikki oh. May, who is uh, a contemporary of mine um you know peer uh and uh, so i've just started it and i'm really enjoying it but i did say to her it's making me really really peckish um oh. have you read it it's, i haven't read it yet again oh, it's another one that i've so got on my hungry um, um, i chatted with her t- earlier today she was recording before you um and she was a i did a little request an author you really want to see me chat to and it just so happened nikki who came up um, was nominated and she's just I met her at the book party and she was lovely yeah but I have heard there's a lot of food it's great it's so good and um and it and a lot of the food I don't I'm not familiar with because it's Nigerian food yeah. and so I keep well she's at the end actually Ronke who's one of her main characters uh has put she's put in lots and lots of Ronke's cook, you know uh, menus and like cook recipes That's which is amazing cool. but there's also things that I don't know and I'm like googling madly because it's making my mouth Water. I need the visuals. Yeah, exactly. With it. I need to know every single ingredient immediately. Um, but it's very, very good, and I'm very much enjoying it. And then um, the book that I'm about to read is, uh, I'm going on holiday tomorrow. Oh, oh very nice. It's called Our Wives Under the Sea by Julia Armfield. <gasps> it's so good. Ah, okay. I have read that one. And yeah. I, it was not what I expected whatsoever. I've never read anything like it. Um, and it's not the kind of book I would usually pick up. I was very lucky to be sent a, a proof and I, I was in love with it. Yeah, I, 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 I bought it because um, I went to Book Bar, which is a local bookstore, indie bookstore yes. near me. And um, 
one of the people there who's they're so lovely and they've read pretty much every book in the store which is kind of slightly shocking sometimes they're like oh yeah that one oh no that one that one um and they both recommended it to me there and said how brilliant it was so I bought it so it's got amazing cover as well oh the, the cover the art yeah. is incredible but yeah, yeah that's that's a good holiday read yeah thanks I'm looking yeah, forward to it interesting and thank you so so much for taking the time to come and natter with me this has been an absolute joy thank you so much for having me I've really enjoyed it